With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bo's Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. And good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Bo's Nose Show. I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, where it was too nice to sit inside. So I am sitting outside, you know, having, you know, just a nice afternoon here on the Lanai, you know, next to the, the koi pond behind me. You guys can see the koi pond, my rhododendrons in bloom, you know, just just a nice setting. Hopefully the koi pond splashing won't be too much noise in the background or the wind chimes or anything like that. But, you know, we've got so much to talk about because we had our first in-person board meeting yesterday. After over two years of virtual meetings of the Lane County Board of Commissioners, we were in the same room with our staff in a, in a you know, now we do these um hybrid meetings where people can give their testimony virtually still. So you don't have to be there. And, and we actually had people participating virtually, uh, even giving our, our reports. Um, but I want to remind folks of all the stuff we got to talk about. I always like to talk about what you want to talk about. Folks. And to do that, just give us a call at 646-721-9887. And don't forget to press one because that raises your little hand, you know, just like in the virtual meeting. Um, and let's Robin know that you want to actually get in on the show because we got a fair amount of people that actually call in just to listen because they're away from their computers. Again, 646-721-9887. Don't forget to press one so we know you want to get in on the show. So all sorts of things to talk about. It was kind of interesting yesterday. It was our very first in-person meeting, so we, we started at 8.30 and kind of held a little bit of a, a ceremony to commemorate the occasion of getting back together in person. Yeah, yeah, we did that. <laughs> um, 
And it was kind of a good thing in some ways. It gave us a chance to honor all of the staff and community volunteers that helped us during the, you know, two years of the pandemic. Because there was a community-wide effort. You know, people probably don't, you know, it's starting to get foggy in their memories what it was like in February of 2020 when this new disease was, you know, starting to be found in cruise ships and, and snuck into a, a, some senior homes and a veteran's home here in Oregon, causing, you know, a lot of deaths amongst old people. Um, pretty scary. You know, people were going to the hospital, getting hooked up on ventilators and still dying. Uh, no, no treatment forces, no vaccines, no, you know, yeah, no real medication, so it was it was pretty pretty scary time, but we had all sorts of people that kind of rose to the occasion throughout the pandemic. You know, we had people that um, helped bring groceries to people that were isolated. You know, leave them on the doors. You know, little things like that to um, our search and rescue volunteers and the Eugene Brodery provided volunteers to direct traffic and get people signed in, et cetera, at our first vaccination clinics, which, you know, were mob scenes because everybody wanted to get the vaccine. You know, when we first, when it first came out, well, I shouldn't say everybody. More people wanted the vaccine than there was vaccine available at that time. It was, it was a definite, um, you know, supply, you know, less than demand. Put it that way, and, and you know, just all those people. So I get getting some repeat there. Yeah, we got uh, we got no sound going over the Facebook. I think we're coming over live on uh, on Blog Talk. Okay. Well, hopefully we're doing okay on Blog Talk, and uh, you'll work on our Facebook connection there. Wave to everybody. Yeah, we, got, uh, we got no sound going over the Facebook. I think we're coming over live on There we go. That does shut off that page. You should be okay. Okay. I heard that. <laughs> we can run radio here. We're experimenting with some new hard, you know, new hard drives and, and uh, new versions of Windows. and God, It always seems to cause us a lot of headaches. Um but at least it's not as bad as it was a couple of weeks ago when we had almost a complete lack of show because of, of tech problems. But as I was saying, you know, the community chipped in in so many ways. We had staff that, that moved over from positions that, you know, had nothing to do with public health, like taxation or public works, and took you know, took up positions in public health, uh, contact tracing, answering our hotline for the phone, you know, phone system, participating in part of the incident command structure. Um, so it was, you know, kind of an all hands on deck sort of thing. Um, and I know people, you know, in hindsight think we went overboard with some of the reactions, you know, which I kind of agree with in some ways. Some of the shutdowns were ill ill thought out. Um, but there was a lot to just, you know, contact tracing, 
you know, getting people to isolate, trying to keep the spread to a minimum. And uh, there were probably lives saved because of some of that. And uh, so it was, it was just a chance to, to let people know. And as I forgot to silence my phone, my apologies, everybody. Um, so, you know, it was, it was interesting times, you know, that, that, that famous oriental curse, you know, may you live in interesting times, uh, was definitely taking place during COVID for everybody. But, you know, it, it, in typical Lane County and, um, you know, fashion, the, the folks stepped up. To, to deal with this as best they could. And, uh, you know, whether it was just the folks that went and bought carry out from restaurants that were having to keep their dining rooms closed and way over tip to keep the, the, the staff from, from having, you know, being able to pay their rent, you know, to, to folks that, you know, volunteered, you know, at, at the vaccine clinics, to the, the people that manned the phones for our contact tracing. It was, it was a big effort. So it was nice to have that opportunity to honor those folks yesterday. Then we started our regular board meeting. By the way, your mic's still hot, Robin. No, it's off. Is it? thought I could hear you sighing in the background. It sounded like a Windows 10 sigh. <sighs> Sorry. That that could be all of those Windows 10 owners, just the disturbance in the force. Yes, yes, I can imagine. Um, but, you know, we, you know, we took a short break, and then we, you know, gaveled in our, our, a joint session, the Board of Health and Board of Commissioners, and we got our semi-annual report from our public health department that didn't focus on COVID for once. And we got our first real update on sexually transmitted infections in Lane County. And the news is not good. (laughs) Uh, Both syphilis and HIV are spiking. And we believe that there may even be other diseases that are, but because people weren't actually going to the doctors and, and, uh, labs and testing facilities are being so overutilized for COVID that we think it's being way underreported. Uh, it's not a good thing. And, you know, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you, you think about what's been going on besides COVID culturally here in Lane County and Oregon, driving an increase in sexual infections. And, you know, so, you know, it's getting that, that it's one of those you, you, Robin, about what's been going on. Thank you. <laughs> um, so besides COVID, we passed Measure 110. And we've had this huge influx of, you know, undocumented workers, illegal aliens, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> you know, whatever name you want to put on it. We've had this huge influx over the last year. And uh, um, we've 
there's been a significant increase in human trafficking. So kind of combine all those things sort of together in a melting pot and our, you know, big increase, it seems like, in our homeless population. And you begin to understand with the addiction issues and the increase in substance abuse and mental health disorders, these folks don't take any precautions when it comes that, you know, having sex. Oh, I just got the We Have Audio <laughs> on Facebook. Good. And uh, so that lack of precautions, that lack of seeking medical help at all uh, is leading to some of these increases in, in FBI rates in Lane County. But, you know, you just, you just kind of, kind of wonder, you know, what measure 110 done to, to, to cause some of that, what our open border policies are doing to cause some of that. And, and in particular, what human trafficking is causing to spread some of that because um, human trafficking just gotten worse and worse over time. And, you know, kind of like drug sales, the gangs started realizing, and the cartels too, that you could resell a person over and over again, and you don't have to re-smuggle them over the border but once. Or, you know, get them, you know, imprisoned in some way one time, and then you've got a product you sell over and over and over again. And, you know, human trafficking is such a kind term for something that's absolutely horrid, awful, and inhuman. You know, it should be inhuman trafficking or something because, you know, human trafficking, every, you know, human, everybody likes humans. Traffic, you know, that's just something that you run into at 5 o'clock in the evening. It sounds so innocuous to say human trafficking. But if you say inhuman modern slavery, that might be closer to what we're actually having happen. And it's not just for the sex trade. We're seeing it for the illegal marijuana grows in Oregon and Northern California, where they are bringing in slave labor across our southern border, forcing them to work these marijuana crops in horrid living conditions. And, you know, that's supposed to be okay, let alone the ones that are being trafficked for prostitution, where they also, you know, forcibly addict them to drugs so they can control them. You know, it's just the trauma that goes on with the people being trafficked, something they'll never outlive, even if they were rescued from it. It's just such a horrible thing. And and so as you look at, you know, STI rates across the globe, U.S. is not number one. So we are, you know, Open borders could also be bringing in more SDIs, 
You know, people are thinking, oh, it's a crisis of our, you know, we need to fund more public health. Well, there are countries that fund public health far higher than we do that have higher rates of STIs. I mean, some of the highest rates of STIs in the U.K. are in places like Denmark and the U.K. I mean, in, in Europe, I mean, or Denmark and the U.K. I mean, that's, um, you know, pretty pretty telling, if you ask me. So um, it was kind of an interesting thing to see these new numbers come out. Um, and depressing in some ways. And, uh, you know, one of the populations that's having the largest increase in, in STIs, in particular um, syphilis and HIV, of course, is what they call the, you know, the public health people refer to the MSM population, uh, which basically is an abbreviation for men that have sex with men. Uh, you know, so, Everybody out there, you know, there's always good reasons to, you know, wrap your junk, you know, <laughs> put it, put it somewhat crudely, use a condom, you know, exercise safe sex. I mean, you know, you know, we're talking about syphilis and HIV that can both kill you. You know, now we've got monkey pox that's sexually transmitted. You know, gosh. Back in the day, and there's everything else in the world, you know, between, you know, genital herpes and, you know, chlamydia and gonorrhea. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh. Come on, folks. Have some self-control. <laughs> Practice some safe sex. And understand if you're buying sex, you're probably buying it from somebody that's enslaved and being completely abused and treated inhumanely. And you're supporting that. Whoever the Johns are and whoever you're buying sex from, male or female. Uh, But we can get on to some other stuff because we had a much more, you know, well-known topic that came up next in the morning. Um, And most people were probably more focused on than our public health report about STIs, which probably no one knew about until I just talked about it here on the Bose Nose Show. Again, if you want to get in on the Bose Nose Show, 646-721-9887. Don't forget to press 1 so that Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, knows you want to get in on the show. So we kept moving ahead with our exploratory uh, analysis for possibly building a multi-use stadium facility at our fairgrounds. And, you know, everybody is, is in the press talks about it's the M Stadium. Now, it's not the M Stadium. It's going to be Lane County's facility. The M's are going to be an anchor tenant, and they're going to be part of what makes it financially viable to construct. But, the fairgrounds themselves need things to help draw people in the summertime. Now, one of the things about the Lane Event Center and fairgrounds is it's also an event center, and it hosts indoor events in its huge, you know, convention hall 
facility. And that's really, you know, what happens and brings people into our community in the wintertime when they don't normally come here. You know, we have the home show, we have holiday market, we have a logging conference. All that happens in the wintertime when the hotels need people to stay. But that drops off in the summer. There's not that many people that have conventions in the summertime for obvious reasons. And the use of that facility drops down in the summertime other than the Lane County Fair and a few other events that happen there. So finding a way to increase the use of the fairgrounds in the summertime is about the financial health of the fairgrounds. Because, you know, there was a time about 15 years ago when the Board of Commissioners was considering selling fairgrounds because they weren't financially working. Now, we've kind of gotten it turned around a bit, and they're kind of, you know, breaking even right now. But there's always, you know, we're, we're way behind on deferred maintenance and capital improvements for a lot of the buildings out there. So it needs investment. And this multi-use stadium facility would add those summer events. Besides the M's being there, that facility could be used for all sorts of different events. They use other facilities like that for everything from, you know, monster truck rallies to rodeos to graduations to outdoor concerts. Now, you know, Cuthbert Amphitheater is great, but it's an aging theater that doesn't even have dressing rooms for the bands that, you know, that that are going to play there. It's just not, you know, a state-of-the-art facility. This could become the new outdoor concert venue with much better seating, you know, right there at fairgrounds. And in addition, because there's going to be vending of food for the games, there'll be kitchen facilities there, commercial kitchen facilities. One of the things some of our, we lack in being able to rent some of our indoor spaces is a lack of a good commercial kitchen on site. <laughs> large commercial kitchens cater large banquets and stuff. Starting to see a little connection here. In addition, there's going to be locker rooms with shower facilities. Now, we are actually seeking some assistance from the federal government to have these facilities, kitchen facilities, these shower facilities, and all built in a way, and the stadium built in a way that it will survive the subduction zone earthquake, and it will be available for us to utilize during emergency events. You know, one thing was great was we were able to host a lot of people at fairgrounds um, after the holiday farm fire, but where do they take a shower? And, you know, as, as we, were, we do smoke respite and all that stuff, it just adds to our capabilities in emergencies. So it, it adds event expansion. It expands our capability to utilize the fairground all summer long and even into the winter. Where they're talking about doing haunted house things in the stadium. 
because there's a fair amount, you know, in the concourse that's still undercover. And, uh, you know, there are just all sorts of ways to use that, you know, making it part of a holiday light event. So we, as the commission, are choosing to at least continue the exploration work, which right now means we're hiring some consultants that work for us, not the M's, to do some of the, the, the cost estimating, the financial analysis work, and also a you know, legal counsel that works for us, not the M's, to work on you know, contracts with guarantees, lock, you know, locking in as best we can with Major League Baseball for a longer-term lease. Um, and uh, you know, that, that's really can be a good thing. So, but it's not final yet. We haven't made the final decisions, so don't get all bent that Lane County is investing a bunch of your money on a stadium right now. There's still many off-ramps in this process and many decision points. All we did yesterday was hire a couple consultants that will work for us on our behalf, independent of the, of the M's, to do some analysis so that the board can make an educated and decision based on independent information. So that's kind of what's going on there. And, and you know, it's really going to be a community, you know, facility. I can see high school graduations happening in the stadium. I can see championship high school baseball games being played there. You know, it's going to be something that I think our community is going to enjoy. You know, and we'll, we'll be resolving other issues, traffic and, and parking and all that stuff. That, you know, studies will be done prior to construction, uh, but that's down the road yet. Right now, we got to look to see, you know, how much does it really cost? Is it going to is it is there economically viable financial projections for the long run? And uh, you know, can we work at you know a pretty solid deal with with the M's to assure that they're in that stadium for the next ten to twenty years? And uh, we'll see whether it gets to be a go no go later on. So, along with talking about the M's yesterday, we in the afternoon we kind of changed subjects again, and we got to um, approve receiving a, a over six hundred thousand dollar grant uh, from the federal government under their community. Um, God, what's top stand for again? Community something or other policing, whatever. Um, but basically, a grant from the federal government to purchase body cams and also purchase the necessary cloud storage and everything else and the systems needed to uh, maintain adequate um, chain of custody of evidence and everything else so that the body cam footage can be used in the court of law um, and all those various things to make sure it's, it's being kept track of and indexed properly as and 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 uh, tagged, et cetera, so it can be looked up later on in discovery by the various, you know, attorney, defense attorneys or the prosecuting attorneys, whoever needs to see that footage. Um, it's a good thing. And we're one of the 
you know, last agencies locally to get body cams, partly because we're having to try and figure out how to deal with that whole storage and recall retention, uh, public record request issues around now we're going to have terabytes of video footage <laughs> that we're going to be storing. Um, so that was a, kind of a good news thing. You know, we went, went from, you know, kind of we're, we're over COVID, we're meeting in person finally, bad news on sexually transmitted infections, pretty good news moving ahead on the M's and the baseball multi-use facility, and then good news on body cams. And then things went downhill from there. So one of the things, you know, the board has been looking into, and I've talked about this on past Bo's Nose shows, is doing something called, you know, where we float a bond, a 20-year bond, at a fixed interest rate and invest that bond in the PERS funds with the state because that's the only place we can do this and what they call a PERS side account. And what you're doing is you're gambling that the return over that 20 years from the PERS funds is going to be higher than the fixed rate of the bond that you, that you sell. Now, it, the projections that we got from, you know, various from the economic analysis for this bond were for three and a half, four and four and a half percent. Current, currently, the bond market's right about four point eight five, although it looks like we're going to be able to get down below four and a half. But at four and a half percent was right at the edge of whether it's going to break even or not. If we start out with an economy like they had, you know, from 2007 on. Now, if you remember, that was the 2008 crash and all that. And they ran the numbers based on those returns from the PERS event thing. And it basically was break even at four and a half percent. Now, why this is interesting is, you know, PERS has traditionally earned over 6.9%. On a 20-year on a average. Problem is, is if you lose money in the first couple of years, it's very difficult to make it up. There were school districts that actually did these side accounts starting about 2001. Now, remember, there was another downturn after 9-11 and never made their money back. Of course, interest rates were higher on the bonds then, too. So the real issue is, is are you going to make money the first couple of years? Can you get higher than a 4.5% return in your investments for the first two or three years of the bond? Because if you lose money in those years, it is really difficult to catch up. And I'm looking in my crystal ball, and I'm sorry, my crystal ball is a dark crystal, <laughs> unfortunately. And I'm not seeing great returns over the next couple of years. Um, you know, I don't know about you all, but I look at my 401k, and it's lost about 16% since the first of the year. 
And I've got a pretty diverse conservative portfolio. Dow Jones has lost over 12%, S&P over 16%. Do we really think the PERS fund is going to earn more than 4.5% in the next year? And then what about the following year? I mean, I am really concerned about, you know, what happens if, you know, China decides to take on Taiwan, you know, or China, Russia, India get together and decide to make, um, you know, some other currency than the U.S. currency, the, the world's currency. It would crash the dollar. So it, it, there's so much high risk in the economy right now. You know, yeah, all you got to do is go to the grocery store. And look at the prices. Go to the gas station. Look at the prices. Understand, you know, there, you know, cat food's hard to get. Baby formula is hard to get. You know, there's so many headwinds to the economy right now. So, the board, you know, chose to vote yes. And uh, with Commissioner Bernie absent, it was a three-one vote. I was the only one that did not want to gamble. So there, there's that. So I wasn't feeling too good about that. And then we had this conversation about having to authorize the county administrator to sign a contract to build a temporary gravel road and, you know, the engineering contract and the construction contract for it to gain access to our Serbu campus out off of MLK Junior Boulevard. You know, that's, that's all those public building to cross the street from Watson Stadium. That's where our Serbu youth campus is. That's where we have the court facilities for youth, detention facilities for youth, drug treatment facilities for youth, and their parole system for youth, you know, their supervision. You know, so it's a 24-7 facility that needs to be able to have medical access. It's also the intake facility for when youth are charged with a crime, coming I into incarceration. We don't hold youth at the Springfield Jail. We don't hold it at any of the municipal jails. They come to our facility there. They don't go to the Lane County Jail. You, know, you don't mix that population. So it's a 24-7 facility. Next door to that is our developmental disabilities building where we serve you know, folks with developmental disabilities, both children and adults and their families. In addition to that, we have our mental health, behavioral health facility there on that campus. And then adjacent to that, Homes for Good has the MLK Commons permanent supportive housing for folks that were previously chronically homeless, i.e. folks with, you know, severe, you know, mental health and substance abuse issues that have caused them to be chronically homeless for years. You know, kind of the worst of the worst we're trying to pull off the street and, 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 provide intense case management. You don't think we get a lot of medical and 
and police calls at that facility? Well, Oregon 22 World Athletic Games wants to start and finish the marathons and the race walks and other long-distance events right at the front entrance to Autzen Stadium there, you know, with all the pretty sculptures and everything else and the, you know, hillside in the background, uh, which is sounds great, but they need to close MLK Boulevard, you know, for a good stretch of that frontage. And during some of the races, they need to close it completely. So even the temporary access that they want us to build for nearly $300,000, short of 300000 it's like two seventy-five or two ninety. I can't remember the exact number, doesn't even work during some periods. And they're kind of you know, going, oh, yeah, we might reimburse you after the games or something like that. But, you know, and we're like, hey, why don't you pay for it now? And they're like, ah, well, we, but, you know, if we don't issue a contract and start building the road, it won't be ready in time for the games. But the city of Eugene hasn't issued permits to them for the marathons, et cetera, to close the road, which means there's nothing that says that that gravel road has to be built. So there's, you know, it. It's this twilight zone sort of thing where Oregon 22 knows knows they need to close that road. CDBG knows they're going to have to issue a permit. They know we're going to need alternate access, and no one's stepping up to fund it. They're expecting us to kind of front this on their goodwill they might pay us back later. Now, mind you, Oregon 2022 World Games you know, World Athletic Games is an LLC that will probably disappear, you know, within six months to a year after the games. Because it's only there to run the games. They also got $40 million allocated from the legislature. And in addition to that, they're selling tickets for some pretty heavy prices. I've heard some of the day passes are over $1,000 for an individual for, you know, some of the box seats and stuff or some of the really high-end seats. I looked online today, and a seat pretty far up in the stadium, close to the finish line, for one day early in the game, so it's not finals and stuff, was $591 for one seat. So if you, you know, you and your wife or your, you and your kid, it's over a thousand bucks for one day. And they're selling these things because there weren't very many tickets available, seats available in that section that I looked at. So they've got all these advanced ticket sales. They've got 40 million from the legislature. I'm sure there's some kind of down payment from the networks for the broadcast rights you know, up front to hold their, their rights to broadcast. So $300,000 provide us not even full-time access into our facilities ought to be something easy for the world people to do. Uh, I was a little bit upset yesterday about that one. It's like, come on, Oregon 
22 World Games, you're the permittee. You're the responsible party for making sure that whatever you're asking to have permitted, i.e. closing the road, is mitigated. City of Eugene, you're the permitting agency. You're the one that's supposed to issue the permit with, with conditions to make sure those things happen. We're just some third party that fronts the roadway. Why should some taxpayer in Florence be subsidizing building a temporary gravel road so a multi-million dollar income event can run? It looks like somebody might have taken me up on my my offer to call in and uh, jump in here. So I'm going to go blind to our caller. So what's on your mind today? Hey, Jay, it's Melinda. Hey, Melinda. Okay, so what's well, new? the STD report was really depressing. Um, yeah. The uh, But I'm sitting here at Austin Stadium. Well, I'm not sitting here. I'm standing here in the middle of my walk going, why can't they begin and end the marathon on Leo Harris Parkway on the backside of Austin where there's a beautiful O and they don't have to close down Centennial? Because it's always centennial to me. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't get yeah, that. I know. And that wouldn't cost anybody anything. Yeah, it would still cause some access issues for us, not as bad. Because this, they're literally putting a start-finish line there, and they're going to build temporary grandstands on both sides of the road. Oh, my God. And I then mean, they're going to here. I mean, there's a whole parking they, lot here. Oh, that's probably where yeah, they're going to park yeah. people and shuttle them. That was my thought, too. I'm looking at the map going, Leo Harris, or why not use the Eugene Marathon course? Yeah. And have them finish in the stadium in Hayward Field. It's just like being you know, practical isn't on anybody's mind. It's like they're spending money. To, they're like the federal government, spending money they don't have. Yeah, yeah. Or spending other people's money. <laughs> Yeah, I, um, I was pretty shocked. At that. So yeah, beautiful day for a walk, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's muggy and there's all this crap in the air, so it's not the most comfortable walk. Yeah, you should see my computer huh? screen just from sitting out here. The pollen, you know, because it, it, yeah, the computers have a little bit of a charge to them, so it seems to be magnetic for the oh, pollen. Oh yeah, that's the tracking it. So, yeah. So, uh, well, so, yeah, it's got um, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty cloudy since I've been out here. Yeah, it's uh oh, there's some blue. Um, no, yeah. So I'm one of those people praying for the rain to come. <laughs> You're such an Oregonian. <laughs> I am, and plus, it wouldn't be Memorial Day without rain. I want everybody camping to camp in the rain because they're just hopelessly, you know positive that they'll get a memorial day weekend without any rain and it's like no no it doesn't happen <laughs> yeah i know i can't tell you how many times i've camped in the rain in oregon yeah when elizabeth and i first moved here you know from a big metropolitan area on the east coast washington dc you know we were 
we had to laugh at the Oregonians and we go, man, the air quality is terrible. I wish it would paint, you know. And we're oh. thinking, holy <laughs> Fred, this is really great air quality compared to the East Coast. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah it's not that this bad, is, really, even <laughs> on a bad day. Yeah, yeah. When we think it's bad here in Oregon, it would be a good day, you know, in a in a metropolitan area like L.A. or or D.C. or New York. So yeah, I spent take a, comfort I spent in- a summer in New York one year, <laughs> and a day like this, a day like this in July, it'd be a hundred degrees and cloudy. Yeah, and ninety percent humidity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll never forget my first rainstorm. At a hundred degrees and pouring down rain. <laughs> yep, been there, done that. Yeah. That, yep. That's not an experience I'm going to run to on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Well, I might be doing that myself later, but we'll see. Um, so, yeah. anything else on your mind, Melinda? Well, uh, I don't know. I don't know how much I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, there's just so much that goes on in those meetings that it just all sums up to a lot of virtue signaling. Yeah, sometimes it's that way. And uh, yesterday was pretty meaty, though. We, we didn't yeah. have a lot of virtues other than our maybe our initial celebration of, of coming back in person, which yeah. I've been pushing for months. Uh, but unfortunately... Harris Hall was under construction, so we finally got enough construction cleared out to actually be in Harris Hall. Oh well, that's good. But, you know, for, yeah, for for Commissioner Lori Trigger, she had never met in person. Oh wow! She basically, yeah, think about it. She she took office January 2021. Oh wow! So that oh, wow. was her first in-person board meeting. Well, wasn't that interesting? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Toad. Well, chickens have come home to roost. Let's hope in more yeah. ways than one. Yep. Yeah. And it was it was good to have a couple people testify where you could actually see their facial expressions and body language, not just a, a disembodied voice on a speaker. Yeah. Exactly. It's harder to hide your behavior when you have to like see them as they testify. Yep. Yeah. So, well, yeah, no, I don't know much else. I mean, uh, Lane Families for Farms and Forests sent out an update of what's going on in the county. And uh, there was an update from the Climate Action Plan. And I'm like, I haven't even seen the minutes from that meeting. How is it that they've got them? So. Yeah. Yep. And you're on the committee. <laughs> I'm on the committee. I know. I went and looked through my emails. Like, did I miss an email? So I went on, I went on the website to try to find them. But um, that's one thing. That's one thing I must say. I, I'm not very fond of the county website. I don't think it's very, yeah, very, oh. it's not very easy to navigate. And uh, you have to, like, really be tenacious to find what you're looking for. And I don't think it should be that way at all. I've been trying to find the latest uh, count on the um, on the election from last week, and 
I have yet to be able to find any kind of numbers at all. I always have to go to uh, our mutual friend and go, send me the numbers. I can't find them. Well, so, I just went there. That- go to, go, you know, if you go to the website under government, the drop down, there's a click. Uh, uh, elections is under the government drop down. And then yeah. if you go to the May 2021 primary, and then you can click election results. And they just updated them. So yeah, oh, they they did yeah. from Friday. Yeah, yeah. I I it's it says 4 p.m. But I checked uh, at the beginning of the show, and they, I didn't see them updated. I just checked now. So don't forget to refresh your browser before you click through to the election results, because sometimes your cookies will send you the old one. But it looks oh, like yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It looks like David Level's still holding a lead over Joe Bernie. Um, it's narrowed slightly percentage-wise, um, but I'm trying to look to see how many vote difference it is. Yeah, it's, and it's narrowed a little bit vote-wise. It's now about 88 votes. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it uh, looks like Ryan may even be pulling away from Dawn a little bit. He's at 42.6. Dawn's at 41.17, but, of course, neither one got 50%, so that'll go to the general. Exactly. And uh, Kyle's still trailing other by five opportunities. Yeah. That's the news on the front. And that, that's just, you know, I think the only thing left to count now is challenge ballots, if they can be perfected or something like that. So uh, I don't, you know, be a recount the Springfield race because um, they do it if you're within two tenths of one percent. Oh um, wow! Okay. And David's more than two tenths ahead of Joe, but he's less than two tenths over the fifty percent mark. Oh, okay. So they'll, yeah, so they'll do a recount on that that race probably. So it may be a while before that it's final final that we know who the Springfield commissioner is, but I, I think it's going to, you know, based on the close race I had recounts and the perfected ballots didn't change the, the, the results really, um, but one or two votes. So probably going to be uh, David Lovell Springfield commissioner. Well, that would be excellent news. Um, Oh gosh, I had another thought there. Oh yeah, I know. I don't like I don't like this new process of allowing ballots to have a postmark by the election day. I you know after having experienced it both ways, it's like it's voting day is so anticlimactic. And um, I mean, I just I think it needs to go back to where you have your you have your ballots in by the day. You're worried about getting them beforehand. You mail them, but but the other thing that was concerning to me is I had never really thought about it. But um, you know, when I taught school in Mapleton, my classroom the last two years was the was the polling place, and now with mail-in ballot mail-in voting, there isn't even a place in Mapleton to drop your ballot. You have to go to Florence or Venita. And that's the same with um, with Triangle Lake and Deadwood. Those little communities, they don't even have a drop box. And so my, my big takeaway from that 
is that mail-in mail -in voting wasn't about uh, ease of voting. It was like a cost-saving measure, it almost would seem, um, by eliminating you know all of those polling places. Of the three commissioner races, you know, it's fascinating. Yeah. Of the three commissioner races, the West Lane District had the most votes cast. I saw that. I've been watching. I've been watching all those numbers, all those numbers, yeah, and yeah. they did because they're supposed to be fairly even in numbers, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the Springfield probably has a little bit lower population because, um, and I think West and East Lane have a little bit more, maybe, but uh, it's still um, the the vote totals by far from the unincorporated areas seem like they're far outpacing. And small cities. So people found a way around that, that distance to the ballot box, um, at least well, in West Lane. Have. Um, yeah, I but mean, it's you just... know what's even more concerning for me with the postmarks? You ever heard of a company called Pitney Bowles? Mm, no. They, they make mail metering machines where, you know, companies that are doing you know, daily mailing rather than, than licking, you know, having rolls of stamps and sticking stamps on every envelope or something like that can run uh -huh. a stack of envelopes through a machine and it puts postage on it. Oh. And, and oh, I, tallies that. I see what you're saying. And, and, yeah, and, and it just pays post to a credit card directly to the U.S. Postal Service. Those machines can have the date set. So have, well, that you just, have some, you know. You have some uh, maybe, you know, union hall that has a, a postage meter or business, you know, that has, you know, it's supporting a particular candidate and you gather exactly. a bunch of, you know, late, late ballots and you run them through the meter with the, the correct, you know, date on the postage meter. Don't get they're really, they're already postpaid technically, but you can still yeah. run through there to put a date stamp on them and then, you know, drop them in a mailbox, you know, a couple of days after the actual election day. You know, it, it's just, it's insane for you. I never even thought of that because when I worked at a private nonprofit, we had a postage meter there and uh, yep. it, it had the postage and the date. Oh, no, you know what? That one just put postage on it. Yeah. Or did it? I can't remember. It's been such a long time because we would run it through, but I think it would still go to the post office to get canceled. It's that postage canceling date. So you're saying this other place did that whole thing? Yeah, well, the, the, the postage meters, actually, those postmarks – the postage they put on there doesn't get canceled. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Other, I wonder how come no one's ever really yeah, thought much about that. Post. Yeah, there's also barcode that the post office puts on there that's supposed to also track at the date on it if you have a, yeah. the reader that can barcode. But I just, you know, it's the whole thing, the postmark flurry, you know, and we already know that barcodes can be blurry for Clackamas County. Huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Uh, that poor person but, I don't think is going to come out of this with their job. Yeah, well, unfortunately, it's an independently elected uh, clerk in Clackamas County, which oh. I'm not real. I'm not real fond of of having our clerks elected because that makes them partisan in some ways. Yeah. Although in in other ways, you know, it's the way they get, but, you know, we hire our clerk in Lane County and the clerk works uh, at the, you know, the will of the county administrator. (laughs) I bet if our clerk had messed up that badly, they'd probably be on notice that they're they're going to be terminated once the count was done. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, and, and the interesting thing is Clackamas County is where our Republican nominee for governor resides. So, I mean, I just bring that up because I know that. But, um, yeah, uh, they're saying they're looking at, uh, at trying to make the deadline of June 12th to have that done. Uh, I, I read somewhere the comment was I had to give the P- I had to give our counters a weekend off they're all elderly they're like 65 to 70 they were tired (laughs) okay give us some geritol and spark and and a good meal and they'll be good to go yeah yeah it's it and you know it's one of those things because it's independently (laughs) elect department head the board you know the county administrator and the board of commissioners can't really interfere yeah. Yeah, you know, with the problem too much. You know, they've offered help and offered to have some staff. But then there's also where does the money come from for all the extra help to, to remark ballots and count them and stuff. Yeah, you know, they're gonna there's gonna be a, a rather healthy bill there. Yeah. And you can't blame the printer. You know. No. Because the ballots came to the election why didn't they inspect the ballots before they got mailed out? Yeah. Yep. There was a failure there. And then why didn't you start so, uh, this process? Because you're allowed to start opening the, the envelopes early. Yeah. You know, it seems like some of this could have been done sooner. But, yeah, it just, yeah, Clackamas is the poster child for why we shouldn't use postmarks and why mail-in balloting can can be troublesome you know i i'm all for voting in person at a polling place multiple polling places all across the districts you know i remember yeah. the day in the age when i was the local elementary school you know and everybody's usually within some kind of distance of an elementary school and if there wasn't an elementary school it was a church or something you know yeah i i voted i can't remember where i voted when I was in college at Oregon state, I think it was like a national guard office or something. But I mean, the thing is they talk about, there's no way, you know, it was Vesicle and Lois Allison and this other lady who are our recent lady precinct ladies. And there was no way anybody was going to get through them and vote if we, you know, if we weren't who we said we were because they knew who we all were, you know, there's yeah. nothing, there's a no better safety gate on your elections than your uh, precinct people uh, who do it year after year because they're like, hey, you're not Melinda Montgomery. What are you doing? I've known yeah. her since she was 13. So, yeah. Um, oh, and it was going to the elementary school, it was like everybody knew everybody. <laughs> 
Yeah, when uh, when yep. it was in my classroom at Mapleton, uh, I remember distinctly making sure uh, I put up all my my smoking kills, no smoking signs. You know, get that message across to the community because <laughs> yeah. I taught health to middle school then. <laughs> so, it's like a perfect opportunity for uh, for some community education. So <clears throat> anyway, well, well I appreciate. Uh, Appreciate you calling in. We're we're about running out of time here on the Bo's Nose Show. I had one other had one other thing that just came to my mind. Um, with the fairgrounds, sure. if we go this partnership with the ends, um, we would still be able to show animals with the fair, right? Because that's oh yeah been a big concern yeah, over the years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There'll still be animal facilities and all that. The the stadium's going to be built out closer to Thirteenth Avenue than where the where the uh, okay. animal barns and all. Yeah. Well, yep. it's just and it, you know, I've had some opinions over the say. fair over the years. You know, the best one of the favorite things my mom and I like to do. You know, after I aged out of the rides, is we love to go to the vendors and go around and see all of them. But when I was doing direct one of my direct sales ventures. Um, we couldn't afford the table rate in there, and I've always thought, why not drop the rate and fill all the tables and all the buildings like it was in the '60s and or the '70s and '80s? Um, but like I said, the, vin- the the table rate or the the booth space got so expensive that you know only really big profit making companies would buy the space. And I mean, even it's yeah. like I would go to get my favorite knives that were made in um, made in Salem, and I think they stopped going to the county fair, gosh, thirty years ago. Well, probably twenty five years ago. Uh, and I like Viking sewing machine. It, they stopped even going to the fair, and they'd offer their fair special if you went into the shop. Yeah. Well, it may have changed, and I'll I'll talk to uh, to the fair folks about that see if they're they're still charging a lot but i I think they might have brought some of the rates down because they got that i think they were hearing that so you might want to have people check um but you know it's also getting tough for them to man those booths you know because you know how hard it is to hire people right now (laughs) but thanks for calling in one okay and uh bye we'll talk to you soon Okay. Well, that's it for another edition of the Bose Nose Show. We'll be back next week at this same time, coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Hope you have a great week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.